Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church Podcast for Sunday, January 21st, 2024. Today's sermon is about Christ-centered worship patterns for the church. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. This morning, I normally at this time say it's time to turn to, but as you know, we are... um, preaching topically for a couple months in between books and planning on am going to head to Zechariah next and so I'm really studying that actually at the moment so that's where we'll be next Um, but before I introduce what we're going to be talking about this morning let me just say I did hear from Gil this week and uh, some of us I hope he that families heard from him a little bit especially Leela but uh, he looked good hair was messed up just a little bit but he looked pretty good and uh, calling from somewhere in Nepal, and uh, things are going really well as he's traveling over and, and, and doing some work there and interviewing pastors and teaching pastors and being with, uh, with churches and people. Very encouraging. So we're, we're going to see, he'll share something, maybe a whole service in the next couple months when he comes back, but uh, just want to let you know he's going, it's going really well. Should be back on what, Leela? Friday? Friday. So... <clears throat> today's topic is, is a little different. So if you're visiting with us today, normally we're going through books and we're writing a text. Not in a text today. Um, but the topic is, is Christ-centered worship. And then after that, certain patterns of our worship. In other words, what do we do together, particularly on this Sunday morning gathering? That's the topic for this morning's <clears throat> And with that in mind, let's pray, and let's ask the Lord to give us grace. Heavenly Father, we give thanks. Thanks again for your great blessings upon us. We are gathered here again in the, in the name of Jesus because we are Christians. And we worship you together, and we gather on a regular basis. And it just happens to be we are here at the, at the YMCA, where we've been gathering regularly for years to worship and to do certain things that the rest of the world is, is just not doing today. But we as this church here at Grace and as Christians throughout the world, we are worshiping you. And Father, we give thanks. I pray that even in a sermon like this, which is very different than normal, that still, Father, in spite of me, I pray that you would work. I pray that, uh, that the gospel, that Jesus would still be lifted up and proclaimed, that he would increase and that we would decrease. Father, we give you this time, and we pray that you would help us, as we know you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let me, let me just begin by, by asking, what is our goal as we gather on Sunday mornings as a church? Now, I think the big answer is clear. Um, we, we gather to worship. And let me just say, as, as I've said many times from the outset, worship, from one perspective, is 24-7. Um, it's everything that we do as Christians. Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So we worship all the time spiritually by giving our lives in faith as we look unto Christ 
you know, minute by minute and, and hour by hour and week by week. And this includes all of life. But from another perspective, we come together on Sundays to worship in a particular way. As a church, we gather, we sing, we pray, we read the Bible, we listen to preaching. Once a month, we take the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> when someone becomes a believer, we baptize them and we do all of these things. And all of this is still worship, another big category of worship. These are the things that we do as a church, and only Christian churches do such things. Only Christian churches worship in such ways. <clears throat> and so this is our goal from a larger perspective, to worship God. But today, I want to look at worship from another perspective, and I want us to consider patterns of worship. And I'll just let you know that this, it was, that this sermon was... Uh, was prompted by Caleb and I reading this book together. We finished a few months back, but we went through this together, and it was very eye-opening um, for me and for Caleb, and also it is the occasion for this sermon. Now, the, what I'm putting down here is the applications are all mine, but I'm, we're taking this from, from Brian Chappell's book, and I would commend that to you. If you haven't read a book on worship, it is a, it's a really, really good one, a fairly quick one as well. So, if you're interested in, in that, maybe we'll get a couple copies to put on the book table. That's where I'm prompted this morning. What I would like for us to do is get a clear picture about why and what we do when we gather, particularly for this weekly service. In other words, what does it look like? What do we do here in this service? So I just basically have two truths. They're not very long, and then a lot of applications to just kind of think through some of these things. And so, first truth, I'll go ahead and give them to you. Our worship is Christian. Okay, that's number one. And then number two, our, our worship is based upon patterns that we see in the Word and that we see throughout church history. So let's begin with the first truth. Our worship is Christian, and this is obvious. So this is just a reminder this morning. In other words, what we do when we gather for worship is particularly Christian. Our worship is Christ-centered. Another way of putting this is to say that our worship is, we could say that it is gospel-centered. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is a good verse that represents the gospel. We gather today... We worship today because we are Christians. We have heard the gospel. We have believed on the Lord Jesus. We have received the Holy Spirit. We've been reconciled to God. So these things, if you are a Christian, all these things are true. This is why we come together. We have been adopted into His family. Our sins have been forgiven. The wrath of God no longer resides upon us. His anger has been placed upon Christ on the cross. And those who believe in Him, the great exchange takes place. He takes our sin and we give Him, we, He gives us His righteousness. And so now, He intercedes for us. He rose from the dead after the third day. He sits at the right hand of the Father and He intercedes for us. And He does this because of God's plan from before the foundations of the world to save sinners. And so, yes, 
We still sin, but we have a Savior who intercedes for us. <clears throat> and so these are gospel truths. We could keep going there, but, but these are gospel truths. And these truths are at the center of everything that we do, and they're at the center of our worship. So let's call this a worship service this morning. We do that all the time. Christ is at the center of our worship. And this is really, the, I mean, if you get right down to it, this is the only reason that, that I'm here. The only reason that, that you are here this morning. Now, I, because if it weren't because I'm a Christian, I, I'm not sure I would come to a gathering and meet with people week after week and year after year after year. I, I, I love all of you, and, and, and uh, I think I, I like most of you. <laughs> no, I, I like all of you as well, but we gather together as Christians because we love one another. And, you know, I'm sure we could gather to play board games, you know, weekly. Or we could gather to play golf weekly. Or we could gather to do something. Or we could just, we, you have a, a group of friends that do something they like together. But over time, I'm going to start missing quite often because that's going to be not really that important. But what we do as Christians, think about it. Besides when you travel or when you have something or when you're sick, what have we been doing, those of us who have been here from the beginning? We meet every week. We, as, as Hebrews 10.25 says, do not forsake the gathering together of God's people. That's what we do, and we do it because we are Christians, and we do it because it's our desire. I'm not coming out of duty. Now, sometimes it feels like out of duty, but over a long period of time, you come because you love Christ, and you want to worship God because God's great grace that He has shown you in Christ. And, and so we, we desire to do this. We desire to worship. And we are given instructions by the Word of God to do this. Now, this means that when we do meet, our gathering must reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you think about the sun, the rays coming out of the sun, well, the rays re just reflect and show the glory of the sun. Or the, you know, the waves that we see just on the edges of the ocean uh, flow from the mass ocean. In the same kind of way, our worship displays the glory of God in the gospel of Christ. And, and so in that way, our worship as Christians is very exclusive because Jesus is exclusive. There's only one way to God, only one way to get to God, and so there's only way to, one way to worship God in the face of Jesus Christ. For there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so with that truth in mind, our, Christian, our worship is Christian. Again, that's just a reminder. With that in mind, just a couple applications. And I think I've already kind of said this, but first application, only Christians worship this way. Muslims have a particular way they worship when they gather. Hindus have a particular way they worship when they gather. Animists have a particular way of worship, and so on and so forth. So what we do is particularly exclusively Christian. Another application which just follows this, follows this. This means that we cannot gather together as a church on Sunday mornings and just speak about God um, and not include Christ. And a lot, of, a lot of churches do that. I would say that's not a Christian church. But we can't leave out Christ. And further, we cannot assume 
I think, if you want to go a little bit further, we cannot assume that folks are getting the gospel by just saying, preaching a good moral sermon and then just saying, come to Jesus. We haven't really got any deeper into, you know, take for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You can break that down and say who God is, what, what he does in, in loving, who does he love, sinful world, and that the world is perishing without belief in Christ, but those who believe on him, we, could, we can break that down. So we cannot ever assume that our people week after week in churches are getting the gospel. So we must, we must do that. I, I, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I've heard stories this week of church, churches, who the pastor will preach a 20 to 25 minute sermon about some good moral thing, barely even mention God, but probably mention God and then not even mention Jesus. Well, if, if that's the case, I don't even know if I could give a church a pass for doing that one time, but if that's the case week after week, can you call that a church if it's just giving us some moral deal about how we should live our lives and then assuming we're getting things about God and the gospel? We, we cannot do that. We are here to lift up Christ um, and, and that Christ might increase, that we might decrease. <clears throat> Another application, and I'll hit on this a little bit later. We can't merely have a service, I think, as a Christian church and just say, hey, the Spirit will lead us today. Let's just gather and see what God brings for us today. Um, as we get all excited about our songs or, you know, some type of style of preaching or some type of style of music or whatever that might be, we can rest assured that a true church will be led by the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit points in our hearts to Christ. And so when Christians who have the Holy Spirit gather together to worship in this setting, then the preaching and the preacher must always point to Christ in some way. And so <clears throat> those are just a few applications. Let's move on now to truth number two, which more is closely aligned to this book and Caleb you can you can give me I'll give you a test and say how did I do but I feel like I'm leaving out 99.9% .9 of this but second truth our worship can be distinguished in patterns of Christian worship now we might call this you might call this the order of worship uh, the things that we do when we come together we may have you heard of the word liturgy that is also you know how we do what we do when we come together order of service and maybe it isn't so clear to us at grace because we don't have a bulletin so we don't see do we the we know the order of service but we don't see it <clears throat> but we don't print out a bulletin but if we did it would reflect an order the order of our service and there would always be certain elements every week that you would see I mean, I think just most churches print out a bulletin, whether the Lutheran or Methodist or Presbyterian or Baptist and, and many Pentecostal churches, they print out a bulletin so you can see. And if we were to go through them, probably you're going to see that they're very close to at least the same elements or patterns of worship. And so my question is, what are these patterns? Now, before I give us these patterns that, that Brian Chapel points out in his book, um, I, I just want to say that he, you know, let me give a little background on what he does. 
he begins with going way back before the Reformation. So, you know, when Martin Luther nailed his theses on the door of Wittenberg in, what, 15, 1517 there, and then what followed from that was the Protestant Reformation. He goes back even before, way back before, and traces the, earth, the church of Rome, not necessarily the Catholic church, but just how things went before then and the Catholic church in, in the ways that they worship. And then he moves to Martin Luther, which you can clearly see how Martin Luther pastored his church and what they did. And he moves on to Calvin. He moves on to the Westminster tradition in, in, the, in England, Puritan England, which is our, forms into our modern-day Presbyterians. And then he moves to just modern orders, styles, liturgies, patterns of worship today. Which is, it's very interesting. And though there are some differences, for sure, as to style, and then maybe how some of these elements are put together... A typical Christian service, as we look at Christian services throughout history, they're pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. In other words, Christians, Christian churches throughout history have included the same elements in their worship services. Now, it's interesting that in, that in Chapel's book, he shows that historically, Christian worship services have been have been separated into two parts, okay? And this is kind of where he starts. <clears throat> Here are the two main parts. The first is the liturgy of the Word. In other words, what do we do as we gather around the Word? The second part is the liturgy of the upper room. So what would that be? What happened in the upper room? Jesus met with his disciples, and what did he do? He took the Lord's Supper. And so generally, throughout history, Christian worship services have been divided into two parts. Communion, the Lord's Supper, the sacraments, particular Lord's Supper, and then worship around the Word. And so we, as a church, will take the Lord's Supper once a month. And we do this very regularly. And there's room for argument whether we should take it every week or not. Um, but we take it very regularly. But at the same time, every Sunday, our worship is centered around the Word, the Word of God, the patterns that come from the Word of God. Every week we do this. And so what are these patterns of worship? Well, they overlap a bit, but I'm going to, give us, I'm going to follow six that, that, that Chapel gives us. And here they are. First one is adoration. Second one is confession. Third one is assurance, or like an affirmation of faith. In other words, that, that, that we gather together and that our sins are forgiven in Christ. So there's an affirmation there, an assurance. Thanksgiving, we give thanks in everything that we do. Instruction, that's what is happening now, particularly. And then finally, what is our response to the instruction? And so those are, the, those are six if you go back to the Roman Catholics and you hit the Reformation, you hit Luther, Calvin, others, all the way up to today, you're going to find these six elements in the patterns of worship. So let's just, let me just make a few comments about each of these patterns. First, adoration. In our worship here on Sunday mornings, we adore God. Our attention, 
our affections, our minds are immediately turned to God. And for us, you know, in the beginning, whether we do it the best or not, we're hoping to do it a little bit better. When Tommy stood up and he said, here we are, he would say, let's worship through song. And so that's the, the beginning of our service is normally either some type of words or some type of song that begins with adoration. And so we might call this, if you were looking at a bulletin today, what would it say? Call to worship. That's what we would see. And it, it doesn't have to be a song. It could be a psalm or it could be a part of Scripture, something that would open us up that we are here today as Christians to worship God as Christians. So adoration. Two, or the second one I'm, I'm including here is confession. Now this should be fresh on our hearts because the last two weeks we've been in Psalm 51, speaking about repentance and confession. But throughout history, in the history of the church, the confession of sins is always included in worship because the New Testament says, confess your sins one to another. And we do that in our home groups, but <clears throat> it's a big deal. And this is usually expressed, this confession is usually expressed in worship services through a prayer of confession, general confession, or the reading of some particular part of a book, or the reading of a particular um, you know, psalm or proverb, or something there that deals with confession. It could be a song that sings about confession. Now, when we think about our confession here at Grace, I think there's always an understanding in our service that, that we are confessing our sins as Christians. We know we are sinners, and we know we must confess our sins. And, and one of the things I do, I didn't even thought about this, but all the years, one of the prayers that I pray before I preach, you probably can tell me, I, my prayers are pretty rote and pretty, pretty normal. I say, Lord, in spite of me, I pray that you would. I'm just acknowledging before you and before God that I am a sinner who's come to preach the word. So we do that. <clears throat> um, and... and and, and so this is a big part of our worship. However, I think out of all of the ones that I'm going to mention now, these patterns, this is probably the one that we do the, that's recognized the least. I wish we had more time to talk about this one to another together, just see what your thoughts were. But I don't think we've done, and, and in the elders, we don't think we've done the best of jobs just emphasizing this aspect or this pattern of confession. And so sometime after February... February 11th, probably, we're going to start adding another time of prayer in our worship service. And I can, I'll be honest with you, we're always reforming, we're always changing, and I, we believe as elders that this will be helpful to us. <clears throat> and so it'll add just a couple minutes. We'll still sing three songs the way we normally do, at least the way we do it now, but we'll add a time there in between where we will have a time of confession. And I will begin that and model that for a few Sundays and then our elders will follow up on that as we move forward in that in confession. So that's coming our way. And I mentioned that back in our business meeting back in the fall as well. So that's two, adoration, confession, assurance. This may also be called affirmation of faith. In other words, in Christ we know that God is with us and that He has forgiven our sins. And I think this comes out in our service, in, our, in, in, in the preaching, in the songs we sing, in the things that we read. We know that God is with us. Another one, thanksgiving. 
And I, again, we see, we, I think we see this in our service as we sing and as we pray and as I preach. In all that we do, we give thanks. And then finally, or not finally, but right before the finally, is instruction. That's what is happening now. A little different today, I know, but that's what, that's what I do. That's what we do as elders. That's what we do when we stand up. We give instruction about what the Word has to say. And so the worship service would not be the worship service if we didn't have this instruction. And then finally, what is our response? We do that, especially in the Lord's Supper, monthly. We do that as we pause between the sermon and then the final song. We do that, I think, in my preaching, I often say, how are you doing? What are you going to do in response to what you've learned today? And so there's this response that when we come to church... We want to be changed. And so we hear all these things and we worship and we're praying, God, change me in response. And so what is our response? And now let me mention one more. And that doesn't matter how you do it, but I think there's another pattern of worship, which is giving. And so we don't have a form, we used to have before COVID, we used to have a formal time of giving where you, the instruments, Ben would come up normally and play a song on the piano and we would pass the, the offering plate around. Since COVID, we have stopped that and we need to make us more aware. We don't have any plans of moving that back into the service, but know that, the, 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 that we do give as Christians and we are expected to give weekly or on a regular basis. And I think as members, we know that and we know where the offering plates are at the back. And so those are the patterns of worship. And I would say, looking throughout history very clearly, where do you think those patterns came from? Well, um, from before the New Testament was written, the, the patterns were, they began, you know, as they looked to, to the Old Testament scriptures. But our patterns of worship come from the Bible. And then, then these patterns have gone out into traditions. Um, and, and so I would say that if we do not include all of these biblical patterns, if we leave something out, we're not doing very well as a church, and it's things that we cannot do as a Christian church. So those are my two truths, okay, this morning. So with that in mind, with those two truths that we see, it's Christ-centered, our worship, and that there are patterns that we do on Sunday mornings when we gather I want to spend the rest of our time with just making some comments and applications to follow. Well, here's, here's a couple comments. First comment. It is good news to us that worship patterns have stayed the same and have not changed. That's something that this book points out greatly as he goes through Rome and then the, the, the Reformers all the way up till today. It means, since these patterns have not changed from the early church, it means as a whole... The Christian church uses the same standard, which is the Word of God. And apparently, tradition reflects this truth. <clears throat> and so this has been 2,000 years of word-based tradition in the way that we worship with one another, what we do when we come together. And so that... <clears throat> This is very, should be very encouraging to us that we're just not out there somewhere and that we have the word through tradition that brings us here to do the patterns and worship in the way that we do. Another comment. The ways that we worship as a Christian church unites us and connects us with 
all Christian churches throughout history. And so we're not out there somewhere. We are still clearly in word-based tradition of worship when we come together. Now, Baptists might do it a little bit different. You know, Presbyterians will do it a little different. Lutherans will do it different. And other churches might do them differently. But I would say as long as we are getting the gospel right and we are following what the Word says on the things that we come together to do, this is a good thing. Now, let's move on to some applications. First application. The closer we listen to and adhere to the instructions and the examples of the Word of God in our worship, the more faithful we will be in our Christ-centered worship. And this is, I think, an obvious truth. In other words, worship in the right way keeps us accountable. Let me ask, has anybody ever heard of the regulative principle of worship? Just curious. Give me a hand. Have you ever heard of the regulative principle? A few people have heard of the regulative principle. Well, this is a principle of worship. And by the way, I've mentioned it probably more than seven or eight or ten times through the years. And so you have heard it. But this principle of worship basically says that we are patterned after the New Testament. So therefore, our regular principle of worship is to follow the examples of the Bible, particularly the New Testament. In other words, if the New Testament doesn't tell us to do something or we see no clear example from it, then what we want to do when we come together with these patterns is to stick to the New Testament as closely as possible without adding stuff to the worship service. That really is the regulative principle. Now, the opposite of the regulative principle basically says, well, hey, this is another opinion. It says, well, the, the New Testament, particularly in the Bible, doesn't tell us not to do it. So if we're being Christian, let's go ahead and add it to our service. Do you see the difference? So you, it's kind of hard to argue that someone is necessarily wrong on that because you can still be very Christian and still following the patterns of worship, but add things and make them Christian in your worship services. Well, that is kind of the, the opposite end. Again, the regular principle says, wait a second here. As Christians, this is what we've got. Therefore, we should stick to the New Testament and its examples and its patterns as clearly as we can. And if we do so, and I fall on the side of the regular principle. We follow on the side as elders on, the, on this regulative principle because we believe that, that keeping things simple is the best thing according to the New Testament. I'm going I'm to hit on that in some of our applications, but let me move <clears throat> to another application. Christian worship is comprehensive. Comprehensive. So all these patterns that I've talked about this morning, they're all worship, okay? It's not merely the sermon, or it's not merely the Lord's Supper. It is all of the above. In his book, Chapel tells a story about he, go, he goes to this church to preach. And when he does, 
Pastor's gone, he's out of town, so he's filling in for this pastor. So someone from the church, another lay leader, another pastor, elder, comes up and says, <clears throat> says to Mr. Chapel, he says, I'll take care of the opening stuff so that you can do the sermon properly. Now this is, this is interesting, and it may reflect an ingrained way of thinking, particularly in Baptist churches, um, maybe even including our church, to say, hey, I'll take care of the opening stuff so that you can do the sermon. And that says a lot if we are thinking like that. The meaning is this. Hey, that opening stuff is in most people's minds, the, the, the assortment of hymns and the prayers, what Scott did when he got up here this morning, other things that might be happening and we need to get through all of that so that we can finally get to the preaching of the Word. And so there's a, the, with this kind of mindset, I think there might be an unhealthy, it may be unhealthy a bit to think like that. Um, it's, it's, it's to say that the stuff that fills the early part of the worship service is considered maybe just a prelude to the sermon. Or they are the opening acts to the main event. Let me ask, have you ever thought like that? Yeah, let's just get through those things. Now, let me just say, from one perspective, from one perspective, the sermon is the main point. Because it is, it is clearly applicable to your lives. So when you come in here, I hope that you get something that you can take from, that you can trust God with, and you can go out and live a more godly life and trust Christ more. And so from that perspective, that is true. But when it comes to just worship and the traditions that have been passed down through the Word to us as Christians, the adoration, the praises, the giving of thanks, the time of confession, the reading of the Word, the singing, the closing song, and then contemplation. What about all of those things? If those are just the things or the stuff or the prelude to the sermon, then I think we're thinking about worship on this Sunday morning in an unhealthy way. With that in mind, I think that means for us that we must take every part of this worship service very seriously. And let me just say by way of application, maybe you haven't thought of that up until till now, but I think that means that we show up on time. If you're not, or if you, maybe, maybe you've just been mistaken. You think, you know, I just want to get the sermon. That's, that's fine if that's the way you've been thinking, but now you know better. All of this is worship as we come together. So it, it makes a seriousness to, you know, what we do. And I know it's hard. We meet where? In a gym. Jeff, what I tell you to do a minute ago? Pick up the balls. Two minutes to go, right? I get that. We are in a gym, but we can still think seriously about all of the worship service as it is comprehensive. And so I think that's one of the things this book, Caleb, has done for me, is to make me think about our worship service as we are adding a time of confession and to start thinking through some of these things a little more clearly that we might as a church worship in all of these ways from right from the beginning when we come in here to when... So we're even thinking about moving the announcements 
to the very beginning or doing something a little bit different just to accentuate those patterns and not move away from you know, what we should be moving away from. And so that's, that's very important. Now, as far as you know, how we order our service, as elders, we are always open to suggestions and anything you guys might want to come and talk to us about. But that's been really good reading this book. Another application. Worship is not merely singing. Now, I know we don't necessarily think like that. But in our current American church, church tradition, many, see, many people don't see the sermon as a part of worship. Now, it's good, but they don't really see that as worship. And I think a lot of people just think, well, worship is, they've narrowed worship down to just basically singing from the heart. And so that's what we do. We have come to worship. And I I think that's something that we see in the American church. And yes, singing is worship. And it does come from the heart as we give praise to God. But singing is merely a part of our pattern of worship that we do on Sunday mornings with adoration and praise and thanksgiving and contemplation and instruction. And so it is more than just singing. Another application, and this, this is a long application here, but worship is not merely a feeling about God, which kind of flows from what I just said about singing. Now, heart worship is displayed in adoration, in praise, confession, instruction, etc. And we don't always feel good, do we, when we come on Sunday mornings to worship? We don't. You might have had a fight with your spouse, or your kids have been uglier than they've ever been, or there are distractions. You name them, and we get that. And, and I understand that from my own life, and we all know that is true, <clears throat> for sure. But at the same time, Our hearts find great joy and satisfaction and hope as we worship in these ways week after week after week. And yeah, many times we do do come because we know it is our duty. But over a period of a year or two or three, we can look back and say, I was glad to be with God's people worshiping God. And so I also think of some of the experiences where you hear people say, you know, I was just... The worship service was so good today. It was the best one in a year because the Spirit of God moved. Or, you know, someone maybe gets up and confesses their sins in a way that they haven't before. Or a particular song or something that happens in 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 a service moves you in some kind of way. And then for you to think, or maybe the culture to think, hey, that's, that worship is is that's really worship, because I really felt the Spirit today. Now, and, and I, again, I'll, I'll mention this again in a moment, but those things do happen, and we expect them to happen. But if that's what you think work, Christian worship is over a period of time, then you are mistaken. And when these kinds of things happen, I've often heard someone say, or even the preacher say, man, God really moved us today, as if to say God doesn't normally work like that week after week after week as we do the same patterns 
And as we hear the same word preached, it is the same Holy Spirit, faithfulness through all of these things. I, but you know what? I think that has led some people to say, you know what, I'm not even going to plan the sermon today. I'm just going to read from the passage. I, I even talk to pastors who say, well, I say what, talk to them on Friday. What are you preaching this week? Don't know. Have no idea. I'll just, I'll think about that on Saturday night. Well, I know there are times for that, of course. But generally speaking, what would you do if that were, that would have been a grace? I don't think probably most of you would be here. You would be somewhere else where someone is actually preparing to preach sermons. I can't imagine not planning this service or not preparing to preach a sermon and just waiting for God to move by His Spirit. I believe if we were to do this over a time, we would cease to thrive for, for sure as a church and may even cease to be a church at some point. At the worst, we would just be, or the least, we would just be unhealthy. So with that in mind, every week is and when we order our service in our worship, in our liturgy, God works faithfully through everything that we do. Now, I do believe that God moves in special ways by the Spirit through our gatherings. He does this in my life. Some sermons, some sermons move you. And it's funny because when a sermon really moves you, you tell me. And then the other, you know, 10 or 12 or 13 weeks goes by, really didn't like any of those sermons. But really, you know, some, and I'm, I'm the same way when I preach. Sometimes I think, man, this is the worst sermon ever, and I am moved by the Spirit in something about you or about God or about myself. So we should expect those things because God works in these ways. So we don't throw out those things. We just know that our worship in a regular way is very clear. <clears throat> and, and God works in ways that are clearly, in some ways, planned, but in other ways are not planned. And so we must do this. Now, if you think about, you know, if we go back to our, our first point. If we're going to be a Christian church that gathers together to worship, then we must be faithful to the Word of God and the Gospel, and then the patterns that we are, that we've been given and that we've seen. In fact, particularly from the Reformation, if you think about back to the Reformation, Christian leaders and theologians have debated the question. Here's the question. What is a church? It's always debated. Even today, we need to have a really good, defined definition of a church. But back in the Reformation that were coming out of the Catholic Church, who were doing you know, the, 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 the many sac sacraments and all the things that they were doing, they were narrow, trying to narrow it down to... What are the bare minimum things that we must do according to Scripture to call ourselves a church? Because there are still many today that would go, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am amongst you. Do you know that verse? To argue there is, there is a church. <clears throat> now, um, I think this would be incorrect. Yes, where Christians meet together in a home or a coffee shop because of the Holy Spirit, because they are Christians. Yeah, that is in a, in a larger sense. Those are the people of God and their Jesus is with them. But can such gatherings be called a church? I think not. So when we go back to that question, what does it mean to be a church from the Reformation? 
they were arguing this. What is a church? What are the basic things? They boiled them down to two things. Two things. First, the Word. Church must gather around the Word. Two, the church must take the Lord's Supper and baptize. Those are the two marks of a church. If we are doing those things well over time, we are a church. So that, let that sink in a little bit because a lot of folks think, I must be doing X, Y, Z. Or let's go back to A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K and everything under the sun. But when we talk about what we do together, we must gather around the Word and we must take the Lord's Supper and baptism and baptize. Those are the two marks of a church. And as we've seen and as we try to do at Grace in our patterns, we reflect, I hope we do this, we reflect the Word of God in our prayers. <clears throat> this is why that when we gather together and everything that we do in our worship service, what do we do? We sing the Word. We pray the Word. We preach the Word. We're gathered around the Word. And what do we do monthly? We take the Lord's Supper. And when someone becomes a Christian, we baptize them. I think we do these things. And we can never cease to do these things and to do these things well. All right, I've got two very quick applications, and I am done for this morning. <clears throat> Application. We are made by God to worship. We All creatures by, created by God were made to worship someone, something. Even non-Christians are made by God to worship. And these patterns that we have seen, you know, that come out from the Word, that Brian Chappell has put succinctly there for us, <clears throat> these patterns that we have seen are rooted in the Word of God. And more deeply, they are, they are rooted in God Himself who gifts us with such patterns of worship that, uh, they, they, that these things correspond to us as creatures who've been made in His image. So it's always good to worship God and to do that by, by the Word in our worship services. Final application, and there is so, many, so much more I could say, but I would say with this in mind, prepare yourselves to come in here on Sunday mornings. And I've said this before. Prepare yourselves. Don't just think, oh, I just want to hear something about the sermon that I might be able to leave. No, you're coming together as the church who has believed on the Lord Jesus, who has the Holy Spirit, who gathers together. Paul says the church is the pillar and buttress of the truth. There's nothing more important than what we do together as a body. And so I would say prepare yourselves to come and worship. That might look like Saturday night when you gather around the supper table with your family. Maybe say a short prayer. Lord, help us prepare to gather and worship tomorrow morning with your people. It may be that you spend a few moments on Saturday night thinking about, you know, what's coming up in the sermon. As you know, as you know normally we're going through a book. So you know where I'm going to be preaching from. <clears throat> and just take a peek at that. Or to just ask God to help you to, you know, worship Him. It may mean going to bed just a little bit earlier as opposed to staying up, you know, to one or two in the morning, you know, playing video games or whatever else, you know, we do. 
Um, and, and so I would urge you to do that. Or even on Sunday mornings, wake up just a, a little bit earlier. And number one, as I've already said, get here just a minute. Or two. We like to get here at 9.30 because those who are here, we talk. But get here on time, knowing that when Tommy or when <clears throat> Caleb stands up, and that is our worship, and we begin our worship. And I'll just be very honest with you. Many of, of us, we are all together in the body. Many of us don't come in until sometimes five, seven minutes after we've already gotten. We, we can do better on that, guys. We can do better. But if you continue to do that, don't worry. I'll, I'll still love you, and we'll, we'll be okay. But I'm just pointing this out, okay, that we can do a little better job. We, we can do that better. But prepare yourselves for worship. At the end of the day, the more we focus all of our patterns of worship towards Christ, the more biblical and right our worship will be. That's, that was truth number one. These are the things that we must do in our gathering, in these patterns that, we have, that I've given out this morning. And if we are doing these things regularly and assuming that we are getting again the gospel right as we gather around the Word, I think we will be a healthy church going forward. These simple things. It's not about everything else under the sun that we think the church might be. But we must keep doing these things together. So with that in mind, I will, I will close us now in prayer. I hope it has been helpful in some way. Again, if you're visiting, it's very different um, than, than most sermons. But sometimes we need these kinds of sermons just for clear instruction on such things. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this, uh, this day again, this time again, as we've just considered briefly our patterns of worship. As poorly as I have uh, uh, represented it or, or given it today, I pray that you would still give great grace. And if I've said something that I shouldn't have said, that, Father, we will forget it. But those things which I have said that are true to your word, my Father, may by your Spirit, may they go down deep into our hearts. And uh, may, we, may we be a church that, that thinks clearly about what your word tells us, particularly as we come together to worship. Father, take these words and take this day and take this time together that we might be strengthened until you bring us back together again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church. China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.